0: Good evening and welcome to our Thanksgiving program. And the children will be our highlight of our program this evening. I trust you got plenty to eat. And one reminder from the kitchen staff, to pick up your dishes afterwards, they are left right on the table where they were serving dishes. They are still dirty, so you can wash them when you get home. (laughs) That makes it easier for our kitchen staff. But don't forget to go afterwards to pick up your dishes and take them home we don't need more dishes here at the church, I guess. We're going to begin our evening tonight singing a congregational song that says there shall be showers of blessing, and I'm sure that each one of you can look back on your life and just see how, my, how many showers of blessings that God has bestowed upon you, upon our church, upon our children, and we're so thankful for the participation of all of them tonight. But let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll sing. Lord, we thank you tonight on this pre-Thanksgiving service as we're together, just to say thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. I pray that you'll be with all the children singing tonight and presenting and uh, the, the speaking parts, the play, that the message of Thanksgiving, giving you all the glory, will be clear in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may remain seated as we sing. There shall be showers of blessing. We're going to begin with the four and five-year-olds and our teachers, Linda Penafill and Karen Phillips, helping our children along right up here on the stage. All the kids can come up for give thanks. They just move back. Yeah, that's about right. Could come back just a little bit here. children will be singing Give Thanks, and the first and second graders will be signing it for you over here on this side. Just so everyone can see, can we move down just a little bit? Come all the way down to the flowers here. There, good. kids are coming down on this side, the first and second grade, will stay, and they have drawn some pictures to show you what they are thankful for. Now, there's about 10 in the class. You see all 10 of them up there? So Ms. Ella Kay will, will uh, tell about the pictures of those that are not here. But as they come, they'll get to tell their story, what they're thankful for.
1: All right. Hannah's not here tonight, but she is thankful for her mom, her dad, Abigail, her grandpa, her grandma, and her grandpa's. Isaiah. Thank,
2: you. thank. I
3: you. <laughs> I'm thankful for the crafts, the heart, the Bible, and friends.
2: I'm thankful for my family, the cross, Jesus, and my house. All right,
1: Didi's not here tonight, but she is thankful for her mom, her dad, for Ani, and for her brother. Ani is also not here, but she is thankful for her family, Jesus, her church, and her friends. You want to say it with me, John? Okay, go ahead. I'll help you. Ready? I am thankful. I am thankful. For my mom and dad. For my mom and
2: dad.
1: And that I get to go swimming.
2: And that I get to go swimming.
1: Good job, John.
3: Lincoln? I'm thankful for the Bible and the cross and family
1: and the Bible. Tim is not here tonight, but he's thankful for the cost, his friends, his family, the heart, and the Bible. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All right,
1: Chloe? I am thankful for my family and the Bible. And um, Naomi is not here tonight either. He is thankful for Jesus, his family, and the Bible. Lincoln Lewis is also not here. He's thankful for the Bible, his family, his church, the cross, and his heart. And I am thankful for my church and church family, and for my family at home, and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am thankful for my Savior and my family.
0: Thank you, first and second graders, third and fourth graders, now, coming right up to the platform, right around the microphone. Yeah, Come come up a little bit more. That's good. Great.
3: Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. It is he that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gate with thanksgiving and into his court with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. This is the Thanksgiving Day Prayer. Heavenly Father, on Thanksgiving Day, we bow our hearts to you and pray. We give you thanks for all you've done and especially for the gift of Jesus your son. For beauty in nature the for beauty in nature the glory we see for joy and health, friends and family. For daily provision, your mercy and care, these are the blessings you graciously share. So today we offer this response of praise with the promise to follow you all of our days.
0: sing together one more time. Come ye thankful people come. We're going to sing the first and the fourth verses on this (laughs) song together. But our fifth and sixth grade are now ready to give us a very special treat I'm thankful for.
3: The last of the food on the table, Dad's carving the turkey, and Eve, you set the table, right? Yes, but you need to do something to help. Uh, I am. I'm going right now to make sure Mom puts the mashed potatoes right in front of my seat. That's helpful enough. If you say so, do you at least think of what you're thankful for like my mask? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh mm-hmm. huh. He's just going to say mashed potatoes like he does every year I don't say it every year, one year I said pumpkin pie It's not much better, plus mom said she wanted us to really think about it this year And find something more meaningful Yeah, maybe something God has done for you But there really hasn't been anything all that great, what am I going to say? It doesn't have to be something big, just think, God does so much for us all the time It could be an answered prayer or something that you've learned well, i better go think about it before Mom calls us to the table. I think he's still going to say mashed potatoes. Probably. Do you know what you're going to say? Yes, I'm thankful for you, Jacob, and Phil. Life would be boring and lonely while you three. I'm glad God gave me such great brothers. Hey, thanks. Now, just remember that, okay? Yeah, we're going to remind you you said that. Maybe you should sign a paper reminding yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what are you thankful for, Bob? I'm thankful for my friend, Brian. You always have fun playing together when he comes over. It's nice of you to say, Brian. I'm sure he would be happy to hear that. Maybe you can tell him when you see him next. think I will. Mom always says we should tell the people close to us we are thankful for them. What better time than Thanksgiving? We should all tell those around us we are thankful for them. Good idea. My pleasure. And what are you thankful for, Phil? I'm thankful we have all the things we have. Dad reminded me today that not everyone gets to have a big Thanksgiving dinner with family like we do. I'm grateful we can do that, even though we can be thankful all the time. Not just when we do special things like this. I know what I'm going to say. Mashed, Mashed potatoes. potatoes. Yes, but that's not what I'm actually going to say. Okay, okay. What are you going to say then? Well, I'm going to say that I'm thankful for our de- family devotions and prayer time. We always get to t- take turns reading different verses and praying at the end. I love doing that with everyone. Isn't nice that it's not that you thought of something, Jacob. It's good that you thought of something more meaningful and that you're actually thankful for. Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: Let's go see dinner's dinner. Mm. Mashed potatoes, here I come. <laughs>
4: Great job, kids, and the helpers. And so glad to be able to have there's there's nothing quite like a cute kids Thanksgiving program. I actually was mentioning to someone in the hallway this morning when I saw them rehearsing, are you even an American that grew up in America if at some point you didn't have construction paper turkeys or Indian feathers or something on your head at some point? I mean that's just like part of American tradition just as close as pumpkin pie is making some kind of headdress out of paper. Uh, That is pretty much how it works in America nowadays. Maybe you've not heard of before, but I thought he's fascinating. There's a guy by the name of A.J. Jacobs. Maybe you've heard of him. He's an American journalist, author, and lecturer. In fact, he's best known for writing about his lifestyle experiments. In fact, he'll kind of immerse himself into a situation that was historically accurate in the past and then live through that situation, and then he'll write about it. In fact, for these works, Jacobs will completely immerse himself into his research, And then once he's done, then he'll write his article. In fact, for his book, The Know-It-All, he read an entire set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. That was was how he immersed himself into it. But among his unique quests, one of the more unique ones, he once embraced, and leading up to it, did it for several months, embraced the original version of Thanksgiving with the intention of then writing about Uh, from his personal experience, the best he could, the best he knew how, immersing himself into what it was like for them, and then writing about it afterwards. And he came to realize that it was quite a celebration, actually, at the original Thanksgiving. They had games, riddles, races, contests, foods, including delicacies at the time, that some of the kids may have enjoyed. it. These were like, instead of pumpkin pie as the delicacy at the table, they would have had things like eel. That sounds pretty good, right? Just an absolute delicacy. And this, I do think, is a delicacy. Lobster. Those two would have been delicacies. But most profound to Jacobs wasn't all the riddles and games and food that they had, but the realization that this time of gratitude took place in 1621, And if you know anything about your history, you know 1621 followed a year of great pain and suffering. In fact, 48 of the original 102 pilgrims, so nearly half, had died during the year before in 1620. Scurvy and exposure had claimed half of their lot. And so now almost half of them who are surviving are gathering for quite the celebration during which they rejoiced. And this was a wonderment to A.J. Jacobs, though not a believer himself. And he concluded, if they could appreciate life amid such chaos, pain, and uncertainty, I could give thanks for all the good things in my relatively cushy life. You ever considered that for yourself? Ever considered how thankful you might or may not be? Maybe the best way to give a gauge of your thanksgiving and thankfulness in your own hearts and lives is to evaluate your prayer life. That's probably a good place to start. Normally, in most of our cases, our prayer life consists mostly in what we're asking for, more than even what we're thankful for. But in the life of a believer, Thanksgiving isn't just marked or earmarked on a calendar with programs and charades and pie, But it is marked, it should be at least, every day. The question we must ask is, do I offer thanksgiving for the benefits that I have because I am in Christ? It was Charles Spurgeon who once astutely said, It ought to be as habitual for the Christian to be thankful as it is for the Christian to ask. Thanksgiving ought to be a part of our lives. It should be, flow right through into our prayer life and right out into our interactions. It should be as easy to ask someone, how are you doing, as it is to ask them, what are you thankful for? In fact, in some regards, they almost might as well, for the Christian, be one in the same question. What are you thankful for? But so often we fail to thank God for all that he deserves, don't we? We get so consumed in our own thankfulness and we forget to thank him, but we need to look beyond ourselves. The psalmist said in Psalm 107, verse 21, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness for, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Paul summed it up really succinctly in this way to the Thessalonians, give thanks in all things. We're almost done with an election cycle. I wonder if they did, like they have in Zogby, how they poll popularity of politicians, I wonder if they polled God's popularity index, if there would be an ebb and flow within even the church itself. Really, we should have just the same, shouldn't we? King David wrote in the 35th Psalm, I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throngs I will praise you. There is something about a grateful heart giving thanks that's actually quite contagious. It brings pleasure, it brings satisfaction because it gets your eyes off yourself. Colossians put it this way in Colossians 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Lord, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Maybe I could ask a simple polling question. How many have a tradition at Thanksgiving where you go around the table and say what you're thankful for? Anybody have that tradition? Let me see your hands. All right, okay. Some of you just, that's a good tradition to start. Let me recommend it to you. But even if you haven't, or if you do, let's just ask some simple questions. Here's the first one. Why should I give thanks? Why give thanks at all? Scripture places great significance on thanksgiving, but why give thanks? Throughout the Bible, we find that thanksgiving is a command, not a suggestion. God wants us to be thankful. Philippians would say in Philippians 4, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 1 Thessalonians says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 says, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men. The practice of giving thanks to the Lord is clearly God's divine will. Why give thanks? Well, for the believer, it's because God commanded you to. Remember in Colossians 1, we just read verse 12, it says giving thanks. The word give, used in the original, in regard to giving thanks is in present tense in the original language, which suggests that it is an ongoing, continual, perpetual behavior. It's just like an everyday thing. Warren Wiersbe once put it this way. When a Christian finds himself in a difficult situation, he should immediately give thanks to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit to keep his heart from complaining and fretting. The devil moves in when a Christian starts to complain. But thanksgiving in the spirit defeats the devil and glorifies the Lord. And gratitude, quite frankly, is the mark of the ungodly. Here's what Romans 1 verse 21 said, When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. That's why I said at the beginning of our message or our time together this morning if there is a holiday on our calendar that is uniquely Christian, the most uniquely Christian holiday, actually isn't Christmas, believe it or not. It's Thanksgiving because it is the one thing only true believers can do be thankful. Sometimes this comes when we, we just need to realize those who lack in grace in regard to Thanksgiving likewise will not rebound in Thanksgiving. We'll sometimes pass through periods, I'm sure, of spiritual deadness, but the cure for it is to recognize that God is God. Do I offer Thanksgiving? And in order to adequately and appropriately answer that question, we need to ask why. Why do I give thanks? Well, number one, because God commanded it. But let's ask another question. Who should I give thanks to? Who do I give thanks to? Again, Colossians 1, verse 12 is a great answer for it. Giving thanks unto the Father is the answer. Paul prays that we would give thanks. It's an essential ingredient to our prayer. And what are we thankful for? Well, we're thankful for who he is, what he's accomplished for us, for his word, for his answers to prayer, Yet, thanking God is probably the appropriate object of our Thanksgiving that is most often ignored in our culture today. Have you ever noticed how amusing it is to see how people treat Thanksgiving around national holidays like Thanksgiving? And people on television are stumbling over themselves, talking about Thanksgiving in this nebulous feeling of gratitude, which is almost comical because it's impossible to grab hold of if you don't have a root for it. In fact, one person said, A bad moment for an atheist is when he feels grateful and then has no one to thank for it. (laughs) So who do I thank? I thank God. In fact, the psalmist puts it this way. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, make a joyful noise to him with the psalms, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The single greatest act of worship you can render to God is thanksgiving to God. It's the epitome of worship, because through gratitude we affirm God as the ultimate source of trial and blessing and acknowledge our acceptance of both. This is such an important question for the child of God to consider. Paul is saying in this passage, give thanks. And we ask another question. How should I give thanks? And again, I don't know if we have to venture much further than the verses we've already been looking at. Here we run, though, into an interesting grammatical question. Look what it says in verse 11 of Colossians 1. It says, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power under all patience, long-suffering, with joyfulness, and then it goes to verse 12, giving thanks. And we run into an interesting grammatical question. Should the phrase that ends verse 11 with joy be part of verse 11, or should it be part of verse 12? Maybe this would be a fun you know, polling of the audience this evening. Where do you think it should go? Because after all, in the original, there were no verse divisions. You know that, I trust you know that. And so there's all different scholars that have all different opinions on where those, that phrase, with joy, should go. Should it go with verse 11, or should it go with verse 12? With joy may modify, verse 11's, patience and long-suffering. In other words, to say, here we are reminded not only to endure trials patiently, But we should endure trials with joy, if we put it with verse 11. Or, if we put with joy under thanksgiving in verse 12, here we are reminded how to give thanks, to give thanks joyfully. Now just to acknowledge it for a moment, F.F. Bruce says it stands all alone. In other words, we are to be marked by three things, patient, endurance, joy, and thanksgiving. Three distinct things. As far as I can see, he's the only one that takes that interpretation. So he's kind of out on an island. He may be right. He's probably wrong, because as I've learned it, if it's new, it's probably not true. You ever heard that expression before? (laughs) Most people, most books you'll read, place joy at the end of verse 11 with verse 12. In other words, it's saying, joyfully give thanks. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Caleb, that's obvious i mean obviously we give thanks with joy now pause for a second really (laughs) especially for those of us americans who have a holiday set aside called thanksgiving where we feel obligated to go ahead and give thanks for something right And for those others of us who have heard similar messages just to this one, and you think, well, I'm just going to give thanks because it's the right thing to do. It's possible to do the right thing without joy. May we not express thanksgiving as we ought, as we often do, but as we ought to do. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Put it another way, if if one would give me a dish of sand... And tell me that within that dish, there are particles of iron in it. I might take my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect particles of iron with my fingers. But let me take a magnet to that dish of sand, and suddenly the particles of iron will come to be apparent on the surface. Even so, the unthankful heart, like my fingers in the sand, discovers no mercies, But let a thankful heart sweep through the day and a thankful heart like the magnet will draw out the iron of thanksgiving. Do it in your own heart. Maybe even do it this week. Just start when you wake up until you go to bed and either on your phone or on a separate piece of paper, write down what you're thankful for and I believe you will be stunned at just how much God has given to you. I mean, let's start a simple list this evening. Pretty simple. I'm thankful for plumbing, are you? (laughs) Wasn't always around. I'm thankful for it. I'm glad we got electricity on right now, for that matter. I'm glad we got air conditioning. You know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for a refrigerator, right? Life would just be a whole lot different without that. A freezer, for that matter, is pretty nice. You know what else I'm thankful for? I like peanut butter. You guys like peanut butter? Peanut butter is great. I'm thankful for peanut butter, You could go on down the list, and while some of these things may be trivial and small, the reflection of them towards God demonstrates a heart that recognizes where all these good things come from. Do I offer thanksgiving for the benefits, though, because I am in Christ? Because that's the fourth question. What should I be thankful for? And that moves to the ultimate reason for thanksgiving. Because anybody could make a list like the one I just made. But there's a simple and special list we read in verse 12. It says in verse 12, he hath made us to meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. This speaks, of course, of the gift of salvation. And the description of salvation continues on into verse 13 and 14 of this same passage. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us in the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So when Paul says this in Colossians 1, Give thanks unto the Father, what specifically is he saying the Colossians and us as readers of this book should be thankful for? What specifically? Specifically, we should be thankful for our salvation. In fact, as you read this passage, again, with an eye on the action verbs and the ideas, you'll notice Paul is giving thanks because of salvation. Give thanks, he says, because God has qualified you to share in his inheritance. In fact, the word qualified is used only here, and once more in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6 in your Bible, it means that God alone has merited to you the favor it is necessary to even approach him. Give thanks that God lets you talk to him. That's what he's saying. You give thanks because God has rescued you from the dominion of darkness. Rescue involves giving of aid to someone in danger. Salvation is not a helping hand. Salvation is a saving hand. In other words, you were drowning and God plucked you out. That's the difference. Give thanks for that. Give thanks because God brought you into the kingdom of light. This talks about a transfer of citizenship, and it's not a gradual one. It's as if, quite literally, the room was dark and the lights got turned on. That's the difference. It's that immediate. Give thanks that you're not in the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of light. And give thanks for redemption. Originally, the word meant to buy back. Here it means to release from captivity, specifically the captivity of sin. You aren't a slave to sin anymore. Give thanks for that and give thanks for forgiveness of sin. This is a free and complete pardon for God. These are power-packed words in Colossians 1. It's wonderful to see a newborn Christian who wants to share his faith with everybody. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you have someone close to you that's been there. Maybe even recently, and someone just came to Christ, and it is like the energy about them is palpable. That's pretty exciting. But sadly, as Christians mature, using air quotes, this joy can fade. And David said then, restore to me the joy of my salvation. The Christian who has forgotten the bad shape he was in before salvation will often lose his worship. And it is the gravity of how bad our situation was that makes the salvation we have that much greater. If a person saves you from making a mistake on your taxes, that's pretty cool. But if they save your life, that's a pretty bigger, greater thankfulness, I think you'd agree. Many have lost the joy of their salvation because they've forgotten how much God saved them from. And King David said, Restore to me that joy. What joy? The joy of my salvation. When it comes to the matter of giving thanks, Americans can be thankful for the lessons of the past, even those passed down from our forefathers. Few Americans have had more setbacks than the pilgrims who made seven times more graves than they did houses. They still, they still set a time to give thanks. Governor William Bradford wrote concerning their faith, the faith of these pilgrims. And here's what he said, quote, God gave them health and strength in good measure and showed by experience the truth of the word, Deuteronomy 8.3, that man liveth not by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live, end quote. That was William Bradford's proclamation. Did you know that in 1789, George Washington, our first president, made this proclamation? Here's what he said. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And in that year, 1789... He recommended and assigned Thursday the 26th of November of 1789 to be a day of thanksgiving. That's our history. It's actually a pretty encouraging history. Of course, most of the story know about the story of the pilgrims, but few have set aside time to remember exactly what it was, specifically who it was, that they were writing thanksgiving towards. The songs of thanksgiving scattered throughout the pages of the Old and New Testaments actually became the journals of their writings. And they, we can read about them, but many of our history books have chosen to ignore them. And instead we have kind of a nebulous holiday. Just be thankful. For what? Well, for a lot of cool stuff. No, the Bible says, be thankful to God in fact, one of the Psalms, one, one historian has claimed that Psalm 100 is the Psalm that the pilgrims would have read on a daily or at least weekly basis during that winter that took so many of their lives. And here's what it says in Psalm 100, verse 3, know ye that the Lord, he is good. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why should I give thanks? God doesn't need anything from us. But he does expect us to respond to who he is and what he has done with gratitude. Who should I give thanks to? Thanksgiving requires an object. It just does. And that object is God. How should I give thanks? May we only express thanksgiving as we ought. Can we do it with joy? How often have you come into churches, and it's almost as if church is kind of blockaded as this somber, solemn, let's all join hands together, monks around the monastery, and that's church. Church is should be. God's people should be, of all people, most joyous. Be joyful. And finally, what should you be giving thanks for? When you truly understand the depths of the love gifted you from God, your only response will be thankfulness for your salvation. Let me offer you one final word of advice, if you would be willing to take it. There's a lot of good traditions you can have around the holidays. And I've told our congregation this before, and I'll tell it to you again. Either you do it at Thanksgiving or you do it at Christmas, but I recommend the best tradition to you right now, I believe, is to share your salvation testimonies around the table as a family. Mom and dad, share it with your kids. If the kids have accepted Christ as their Savior, allow them to share testimony. If they're still young or you're praying for their salvation, let them sit there and learn of the testimonies of others. So that someday, mom and dad, when you're in heaven and they are now struggling through the loss of you, they don't have to wonder about your salvation. They heard it every single year. And when they gather, perhaps at your funeral one day, as morbid and yet also a celebration of life as that can be, if we can think of it that way, your children can share your salvation testimony because they virtually have it memorized. But if that is not the most important thing to pass down to your kids, I would challenge you by asking you, what is more important? So here's a great testimony. Here's a wonderful way to give thanksgiving. Pause and tell your kids and your grandkids, and for that matter, anybody else who will listen, how you got saved. And praise God for that. I believe that God would be most honored and most glorified as we are most thankful for him. This is what it says in verse 12. Give thanks unto the Father, which has made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If that doesn't get a dried up Presbyterian to say amen, nothing will. This is absolutely worth celebrating. Would you celebrate this with me this evening? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the testimony of your son. Lord, there is reason to rejoice. And we rejoice because of your son who died on a cross for our sins and Lord, it is amazing, it's so awesome to see boys and girls singing gospel truth. Some of these boys and girls were still praying that they would come to a saving understanding of of the son that they just sang about. And Lord, may we as parents, may we as friends, as church family members, may you use us even as gospel witnesses to these young hearts and lives that are so impressionable right now, that we would share them the one thing worth being thankful for is Jesus Christ. May even this holiday season be, a, be one that's pretty awesome for certain families in this congregation as they have the opportunity to see their children accept Christ as their Savior. Lord, may we be most thankful in you. May we glorify most in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Before we dismiss, I want to say a special thank you. To all who were part of that, I'm not going to say all the names because there was a lot of people, but I am going to highlight just a few. Colleen and Carol were so instrumental in helping with the music and leading the kids every week. And then there was one more thing you may have missed when it came to fifth and sixth grade. Haley wrote that play that you saw for the fifth and sixth graders. And then all the other teachers were so instrumental in guiding these children. Would you join me just in giving a round of applause for all of them? And I would be remiss if I did not say that Colleen Rockstra always holds her word, boys and girls. And so I know she's got some treats for you. And uh, you guys have been looking forward to that. And I know she's a- eager to get them to you. So. We're going to be dismissed. There are no, there's no Wednesday night service today, or this week, because I know many of you will be making mashed potatoes and the like, or whatever else it is, uh, and you'll be busy doing other things. But we will be gathered back on Sunday. We'd love to have you. You are dismissed.